Welcome to episode 25 of the Alan Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen. And we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage you, our listeners, to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. Good evening, Helen. How are you today? Good evening. I'm very well, thank you. Great. Yep, I've had a very exciting time in London this weekend. Really? Very okay. very unusual for me. What, to go up to the big smoke? Mm. I went to see Irreverend, who oh, are brilliant. a podcast nearly as big as ours. <laughs> um, and I went to a very, very interesting day, really good, with um, Rod Dreyer was their guest oh, wow. speaker, who wrote Live Not By Lies, which we, a book we reviewed a while ago that sounds that sounds pretty awesome and and they were as they were as good as good to to listen to in person as as on the podcast presumably probably even better i would have thought yeah they were it's always good to see people in real life isn't it yeah yeah Um, oh yeah it was really good met lots of really really nice people like-minded people i'd imagine as well people who are like-minded people awake and alert to to what's happening or, or or um or open to being awake and alert to what's happening, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Even met a few listeners as really? well. Really? Oh, right. Yeah, That's exciting. encouraging. <laughs> did, did you did you did you meet um, Rod, Rod Dre himself? Did you have a chance to? I did very oh, briefly. Excellent. I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think he's a good chap. He's yeah, well, interesting, he, wise chap. I think he is, isn't he? He's, he's, he's certainly an excellent writer. And um, if you haven't haven't tried um his books then it would encourage you to do so and uh we'll we'll make a note to link to his website as well so you can check him out there um yeah i think it's the, it's the american conservative or something like that um but anyway but we'll we'll put a we'll put a link in the note so you can yeah. so you can have a look um so yeah in this this episode it's gonna be a little bit a little bit different to to what we've done for the past few ones we're going to do a bit of a a bit of a roundup of various things that have happened since um, our last podcast in uh, well a few weeks ago in, in January. Can't believe we're in February already, but there we go. Um, but really, I think we we've given this the title of of a wake up call, a time to wake up, um, and a lot has, has happened in over the last week or so, and we've just picked out um, a few a few things just to discuss between us but I think they all point to this crucial need that we have to wake up to what is happening in the world and it does seem like there are many Christians who um, uh, want to put this as gently as possible but but do seem in, in, a little asleep to, to what's happening in the world and I think there's a real need for our brothers and sisters to to stir and to become alert to to what's going on around them, and, and certainly not to be alarmed or to be scared, but to get themselves ready to put oil in the lamps and to press on with the proclamation of the gospel in in light of what's actually happening in the world. Do, do you know what I mean, Helen? Does that resonate yeah. with you? Yes, definitely. I think so. I think that's very true. I think the Bible makes it clear we're meant to be engaged in the battle and that God will give us what we need to stand firm and to fight um, and that we must not hide away with you know our hands over our eyes like oh everything's fine nothing nothing going on yeah that's, just, that's not wise no it isn't it isn't and 
and just to really underline it, it isn't about being scared is it it's not about because no. i think there is that tendency we don't want to perhaps to to, to recognize what's happening in the world because we, we we don't want to be frightened we don't want to be afraid and of course nobody wants to be frightened nobody wants to be afraid and we're not suggesting for a minute that that anybody should be but it, it, it equally um sometimes what keeps us safe is to be aware of what's happening and uh, so that we can um follow that narrow path which we're all called to to tread um, but uh, if we've got our eyes shut and if we're half asleep or fully asleep, it's quite difficult to know which way you're going, isn't it? So I think that that's that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. We want to do it as an encouragement, as a wake up call, as um, yeah, as I think that's our, our main driver here. But we want to just pull out a few things that I'm sure many of you listening will be aware of and wanted to start with, well, just just touching very briefly on. Andrew Bridgen, because he's, um, I think he's he's coming out well in many ways, don't you think, Helen? In terms of he's he's not he's not certainly not coming out like the bad guy in the media. No. I don't think. Well, he he's I'm I'm very pleased, and I'm not actually that surprised that he's stood his ground. He's mm. he won't back down. He's. Um, he did a very good uh, um, piece after he'd been um, removed from the Tory party. And, um, yeah, he's he's continuing to press for answers. He wants answers. He, do, he does want answers. And he's, he's kind of been emboldened, I think, by what's, what's happened to him. But what's been really noticeable um, is, of course, that Nahim Zahawi has been fined for uh, tax avoidance. Uh, he's broken ministerial code and has subsequently been fired as the Tory party chairman. I should just add that it was interesting because the whole thing with his tax affairs seemed to come to light just after Rishi Sunak was photographed not wearing a seatbelt in his car. Okay. Do you remember that? And it was yes, like, okay, that. right, we can see what's <laughs> happening here. The current Prime Minister has um, has been caught uh, napping, so to speak, and not had his seatbelt on. And there was there was a call for for one of from I don't know who it was, probably a Labour MP or something, but saying, "Oh, you probably should should resign." You think, "Good grief, he's not got a seatbelt on." Okay, it's not the end of the world. But anyway, I think to direct a little bit of heat away, of course, what do you do? You point to somebody else and say, "Oh, look at that person! Look at the big." Uh, big plank in their eye and everybody yeah. swings the I'm cameras around the and, and yeah it is yeah and looks at um in this case Naheem Zahawi so um he however does remain a Tory MP he hasn't been suspended from the party and of course um as many of you will know Andrew Bridgen was suspended from the Tory party for uh, for speaking the truth ironically so yeah, and just by way of way of reminder, and it's important to remind ourselves what's what's happened. It was um, Zahawi who said back in 2021, effectively that that children can overrule their parents' wishes to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And to quote him, said he said this: if if they're deemed to be competent to make that decision with all the information available. So 
if they are, that's the children, are deemed to be competent to make that decision with all the information available. Quite how he was so confident back in 2021 that all the information would be available, let alone to a child, to an adult even, is is uh, fascinating, isn't it? Because clearly all the information was not available and still is not. But what has come out, uh, of course, tells us that the jab is neither safe nor effective and uh, is actually dangerous, sadly. And to let it near your child is, um, well, just wouldn't do that. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's not got a great track record. And uh, that was, at the time, against the rulings of the JCVI, the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, who actually recommended against vaccinating children. So so we don't want to keep going over old ground, but that's just a snapshot of the kind of things Nahim Zahawi has said in the past. Uh, so he's not been a bastion for truth, and he's been caught out. But of course, those who do stand for the truth, like Andrew Bridgen, in the case of making an about turn, we'll come to this later on, won't we, Helen? Um is worth noting, I think. Anything to add on that one? Yeah, well, just on that issue of uh, what um, Zahawi said about consent um, in children, and that's a, a really dubious and dangerous thing to say, and that can lead to all sorts of really not good places. Because no. if you say, for one thing, oh, yes, children, they are able to give consent to medical treatment... Yeah. Well, what else are they able to give consent to then? Well, where's that going to go then? Quite. I mean, clearly, we we now live in an age where where children can um, potentially choose. You know, say decide. Well, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a uh, I'm gonna be a, the opposite sex today. Of course, they can't do that, but that's what they'd say. You know, a, a boy might go into school saying, "I'm I'm I'm a girl," and he can't. It's like we it's you can't do this. Uh, so yeah, it's very true what you're saying Helen very true yeah. and yeah. it's also it's the dream for abusers isn't it it is oh well the child has given consent so yeah. that's okay then yeah yeah it, it unfortunately it shows a a lack of wisdom um a lack of integrity and um it's it's a real pity when you see this in uh, people who are tasked with uh, displaying good governance and uh, serving the wider population well. Um, nobody's perfect, of course, but yeah, um, it's it's uh, pretty pretty bad that Andrew Bridgen has been suspended and Nahim Zahawi hasn't been considering one person's done uh, quite a few things wrong and the other other person simply stood up for the truth and asked legitimate questions and being largely ignored by people in his own party. But anyway, anyway, that that was him. Another interesting thing this this uh, last few days and and Helen this maybe is is not not um more hot air for you maybe this um perhaps of, of course is this whole thing about this I'm just mentioning because it it's interesting really or at least it's interesting to me that the the whole thing of this so-called Chinese spy balloon um, I don't know how many of you saw that, but this rather bizarre episode has taken a lot of headlines, apparently, in quotes, a Chinese spy balloon. How, how they know it's a Chinese spy balloon is is difficult to work out. I mean, anybody who's flown a, a, oh, flown a balloon? You don't fly a balloon, do you? I suppose you do fly a balloon if you're an <laughs> air balloon pilot. But if, if, yeah. if you've ever had a balloon and you've, you've let it go like a funfair, 
it, it's difficult to to work out afterwards who the balloon belonged to in the first place, given the nature of how a balloon flies and all the rest of it. Anyway, but yeah, there seems to be a lot of certainty about something that actually seems very uncertain. Um, and apparently it's been shot down, not quite sure how that happened. But I think one of the weirdest things about it is is in the, you know, in this supposed age of satellites, why is arguably one of the world's major superpowers using a glorified weather balloon. Um, there's 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 more questions than answers in this one. Um, but anyway, we're just mentioning that out of interest. Helen, Helen, I know you have lots to say on this one. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, loads I, to say. I loads thought it looked quite pretty, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Looking it was up there in the sky. Very a very strange episode. I yeah, very strange. I do wonder, and there's other things that have cropped up here. I do wonder if it's a bit of a a headline space taker upper this story in other words perhaps it's nothing not of great consequence only to serve a purpose of taking up headline space and directing people's attention away from matters that actually really do matter um but who knows we'll have to just leave that question hanging on there probably more to come on that i expect yeah well Let's on, see. yeah on on this on the whole thing of perhaps where we could be focusing our attention more. A lot of, a lot more people have been coming out into the open to question the narrative, haven't they, Helen? It's been quite noticeable. And again, again going back to people like Andrew Bridgen, Dr. Asim Malhotra. Um, yeah, we've seen some other people as well besides, besides these two, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, uh, Dr. John Campbell, we've talked about before, um, mm-hmm. and he continues to, I mean, most days now he's posting new videos revealing more truth mm-hmm. um asking some very difficult questions uh and also quite subtly but clearly making the point that he can't say what he wants to say yeah. because otherwise he'll be censored um quite a number of uh medics uh prof- professors professionals are coming out one example is an eminent MIT professor, that's the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He's a professor of healthcare and risk management. Okay. So, you know, that's quite an area of expertise. When he says he's concerned about the vaccines and thinks they should be stopped, mm-hmm. then might be wise to listen. He's called Retsif Le- Levi. Um, and he's there's a, a video we could link to that um, of what he has to say. And then I noticed Esther McVeigh, the Try. MP, she was asking a question in Parliament about the excess deaths and why it's not been investigated. I don't know if you heard it, but the response was quite astonishing. Did you hear it? I, I didn't hear that particular response. No, what, what, what happened? So the ridiculous response she was given uh, said, well, basically said, well, there's been some COVID and flu. Well, we know it's not that. Mm. That's quite clear that the, the numbers are, are nowhere near. That's not what's causing it. Um, and then the excuse was given that uh, other countries are experiencing the same. So, oh, well, that's okay then. <laughs> okay, so, so because so, it's happening in other countries yeah. too, it's fine. Um, and then, which, which, by the way, also shows that it's not just the NHS then, is it? No. You can't blame it on pressure on the NHS because... That doesn't explain why it's happening in so many many other countries as well, all at the same time. It's it's it it is um, very concerning that that 
members of parliament will will, will give answers like that um, on something so serious and to say something as ridiculous as oh we don't need to investigate this because it's happening in other countries is 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 appalling because surely that would actually be a very important reason to investigate it more because this is happening not only in this country but other countries as well Um, well, we should be looking into it along with all the other countries everyone should be looking into what on earth is going on why why do mps treat uh, the people they serve not all of them but but some clearly are with with contempt in, mm. in in these very serious issues and and again you know if you're looking at your newspaper this week um, or news websites this week you'll notice there's quite a few stories which are prominent but you won't see excess deaths mentioned at all and uh, you do begin to wonder if there is a kind of a cover-up uh, here, I don't know. It's difficult to know, isn't it? But there, there is a, there is a silence on this issue. But it's good that more people are speaking up about this, um, because it shouldn't be a crime or an allegation of conspiracy to simply ask a legitimate question. There are many people dying who wouldn't normally die. Why is that? What's the answer? What's the actual? What's the truth? Mm. Um, but those those questions are not being pursued. Those answers are not being uh, pursued, and they should be. We um, just have to hope that 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 changes. Um, but again, these are just we're mentioning these things because they are all linked in with this this whole notion of being awake, of being alert, of looking at what's happening in the world and uh, ultimately that reminding us that Jesus is coming back and that we need to get ourselves ready for that. One of, one of the other things that was in the news, um, there's been a lot of industrial action this year. Um, it's difficult to keep up with with who's um, striking but uh, the last few well, last last week was it? Last week it was last week, wasn't it? Um, teachers went on strike, um, which was somewhat. Uh, it was for a day, wasn't it? It was somewhat um, contentious, I think, especially in the, the current climate that we find ourselves in, um, because jobs are under pressure. You know, you have you have companies like Microsoft and Google and Amazon laying off thousands of people. You know, jobs uh, are. You know they're they're becoming harder to hold on to, shall we say? And um, all jobs, I suppose, have a risk, but teaching is a reasonably secure profession, which it should be. So it it's it was, if I'm honest, it was difficult to feel sympathetic here with with teachers going on on strike. I don't know what what you felt about that, Helen. Well, I think um, I'm been very concerned as I've said before about uh, children and what has been done to them over the last few years. Mm. Um, We now know the terrible damage done to children because of lockdowns and school closures so I think I think it's quite upsetting to see teachers walking out of schools to be honest. Um, Yeah Yeah, 
they don't need more disruption. The children no, don't they don't. Need that. They don't. They don't. And 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 even even you know even if we didn't have have even if the last three years hadn't happened, there's there's certain kind of inequalities at play here. So for example, if as a parent you want to take your child out of school early, um, perhaps two days before the end of term, or perhaps the first two days at the beginning of term because you've gone on holiday somewhere, perhaps you're seeing family on holiday or whatever. You, you can't do that now. Um, you run the risk of being fined. Well, how does that work if a teacher is teachers decide to go on strike and then suddenly it's okay? There's, um, there's a slight hypocrisy about this, which um, is, isn't right. Um, and I think, yeah, it makes it uh, it makes it, it makes it very difficult. I think to to be sympathetic. If I, if I was going, I think as well. If if teachers were on strike about the woke ideology that has infiltrated schools, I, I'd be standing with them. I'd be fully supportive of that. Actually, I really would. I'd be saying, yeah, okay, yeah, let's support you all the way here. Because this 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 has got to stop. This is damaging children. Um, it's not the job of school to indoctrinate children, and certainly to indoctrinate them with evil ideology. Yeah. Um. I'd be yeah fully fully standing there. Why why aren't teachers why aren't teachers striking about that? Yeah. Do you know the it answer to that good. one? I don't know what no, the answer to that one I is. Don't. I don't. It would be good, wouldn't it, to hear more from teachers? And I know there are there are some, but I don't hear from many. Uh, about the clear harms to children from from this stuff. I mean, I've spoken to former teachers who've said, you know, who've, who've left because it's just got really so hard. Who said and that's really sad when you lose good people to yeah, to a profession yeah. that needs good people. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and we, but it's, yeah, sorry, it's, go on. It's well, it's just increasing at a rapid pace. It really is. It, it is it is uh, and, and just just to say by the way we, we understand that not every teacher went on strike we know that some teachers couldn't go into school even though they weren't striking because because it, it just there wasn't any point going to school because there were no pupils there uh, so we do understand that not everybody did that we, we get that we completely get that um but but yeah on i think i don't know how to put this this gently really I'll do the best i can but i think there's a there's a, there seems to be a significant number of, of Christians who have very little understanding of the reality of what it's like to be in school now. They think that, uh, for example, the whole transgender um, ideology, because um, statistically, on as, as a percentage scale, those who would claim to be transgender is such a small amount compared to the the population as a whole, they think, oh, it, it's it's a it's a non-issue, when actually it, the ideology is rife in schools now. Yeah, and, and those and statistics will be based on adults, won't they? Yes, they won't be yes. on how many children are identifying as you know all all sorts of things in schools, because, <laughs> but I mean, either of us could can say from what our children tell us. I mean, the numbers are just absolutely mind blowing. It, 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 it's it's. It's not one it, or two in a school. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's not multiple children just in one class. We've got a list here of some of the things that our children would have to deal with. Yeah, and it goes do deal right with across 
Yeah, and it it goes right across a whole range of issues, and it it it, it permeates virtually every subject in schools. Mm. I mean, as an example, um, climate change. Uh, um, I mean that that it, we hear the children talking about that in multiple subjects. Yeah. Um, race issues, for example, Black History Month, which I mean, I saw something on that which was blatantly racist. I mean, it was just. Mm. Mm. I just thought it was appalling. Um, uh, issues around veganism, identity politics, um, the sexualization of children in so-called PHSE, which mm. they're doing in schools, increasingly spending a lot of time on. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, the list goes on. I mean, we, we, you know, we're not intending to spend age, age, ages on, on this, but there's a few things I think that, that are worth kind of just underlining with this one is if if you're first of all if you know christian teachers pray for them because that that's a that's a hostile environment to be in yes the teachers might have you know it it might be a nice school but some of the things that they will be asked to teach won't sit well with them um pray pray for courage for them pray pray for wisdom for them pray that they'll be able to stand up for what is right what is true so i think that that it should go without saying but it's important that we do that um but but also we we've we've really just got to we've just got to see that this is a really key issue for our children and we've we've got to understand that our children are in school what six hours a day give or take every day five days a week we have we're on the back foot in term time as parents in in the level of input we can have into our child's lives and uh, i think as christians we just we've got to be awake to that we've got to be having those conversations around the dinner table with our with our children when they come back from school find out what what's been going on during the day you know celebrate the good things but when if you hear something that comes out and you think cool that's that's just nonsense you know push back on it and help your children to become critical thinkers like to understand not only what we believe but why we believe it um i think as parents we've got to equip our young people to go into school which is a hostile place even in the last three years it's just ramped up hasn't it Helen yeah yeah it has definitely and I think these conversations need to be being had in churches that as Christians they do. you know they do. Our, our children um whether we have children or not but the children in in our churches uh, are so precious and it's so important that we um are teaching them that we are protecting them and that we are equipping them um, in the faith and we we need to take this really seriously and there are some big questions that we need to be asking um, and the time may already be here uh, but is certainly coming where we may need to be making provision for them elsewhere outside of mainstream school and um, you know that's that's big questions to be that, talked that, about around that. that that is I mean if if my if my children were, were very young now uh, I I, I just dread to think what school school would be like for them ten years down the line. I, yeah. I cannot foresee any other option than removing your children from 
from school and giving them an education another way if you're a Christian parent because it will be so at it's already so at odds with um, Christian upbringing. But by then it will just be off the scale, I think. Um, so yes, we do we do have to be we do have to be let's say, but. Again, in you know, if you're listening to this and you're you're in a you're in a church and you, you, you hopefully you are in a church, but um, that's assuming, of course, you're a believer. You might not be a believer. That's great you're listening to. But if you if you're in a, if you're in a uh, if you're in a church, then do kind of raise this with your church leader. Say, look, how are we equipping our young people? Because you know, how how long are they at church on a Sunday morning? An hour and a half. An hour and a half versus you know, another sort of 200 hours of uh, culture time for the rest of the week. I'm sorry, but that's, that's, that, that's fighting a losing battle, that is. And we have got to find a way to redress the balance. And it's a team effort. We, we can't do this on our own. We need one another. We need one another. And we have to encourage one another. We have to equip one another but it starts with waking up it starts with waking up to the reality of the situation that we're in it's no good saying oh it's not that bad it's no good saying oh you know it's important our kids are in school otherwise you know they won't know how to um interact with people that is just rubbish don't even go there yeah you know the this is a serious battle and we have to find a way through this and i think we can do it, you know. There, there will be a way. Anyway, sorry, we're going off, going off on a slight tangent there, aren't we? But um, yeah. So what was it? What was the other thing? Quickly moving through Ukraine, of course, very tragic situation in Ukraine. It's it's heartbreaking when you look at what uh, the news coming out of there. Um, it they don't the Ukrainians don't seem to be winning. It, it would seem. Um, and there is a, I can't understand the drive to promote war and to move away from peace. Um, there doesn't seem to be a hard drive towards negotiating and, and saying, look, let's have a ceasefire. Let's stop the carnage. Let's stop the death. Um, I mean, some, uh, stats say that Ukraine has lost around 53% of its military and over 150,000 Ukrainian soldiers killed so far, quarter of a million injured. Those are astronomical figures. On the front line, in the current, one of the current ones in Bakhmut, um, a new, fresh Ukrainian soldier, one that hasn't perhaps been in the army very long, hasn't received normal training, if they're put in a front line there, do you know how long they're expected to last? Four hours. That's just awful, isn't it? It's it's shocking. You know, when you, if you were to just see what you know the BBC put out and other mainstream sources, the the, the kind of the the general thing is, oh, Ukraine are winning. They're not winning. They're not winning. Um, and. Pray for peace. We pray for peace. The amount of prayers I hear where people are praying that, that Zelensky will be victorious and Putin will be dashed to pieces. I, where's that from? Pray for peace. We pray for peace. Sending more tanks, sending more guns, sending more missiles. That's not how you get peace. Um, 
but yeah it's praying for the praying for our brothers and sisters in ukraine who have to face all sorts of difficult situations um be praying for them and but pray for peace i think isn't it anything you'd add on that no not really i think i think that's that is absolutely it we need to be praying for peace um and praying that people that are able to will pursue that peace mm. because um there are people who can do that and rather than this constant um drive to push more weapons in they could be they could be making things happen so that talks can happen yeah that could have been done a long time ago it could it could have been done it, a long time it could, could have been done last april when done. boris johnson went over there for example yeah. and there's probably been lots of other examples we don't know about where it could have been done um but hasn't been done and essentially whether you've re- realized this or not we are fighting a proxy war with russia and that's partly i think what this is about and the dear people of ukraine are paying a huge price for that um so yeah um and zelensky's not the good guy <laughs> and we're not saying putin's a good guy either let's be clear about that <laughs> just in case um but yeah okay let's move on shall we um let's just uh, swerve back briefly to um the vaccine booster because that was in the news as well hasn't it so um adults under 50 we might qualify for that helen possibly i don't know who knows oh, yes, we, we might not qualify. do we by qualify a We're by a long way okay <laughs> adults under 50 in england have just over a week left to take up the nhs offer of a covid booster jab and it's also the last opportunity for healthy 16 to 49 year olds we definitely come in that age bracket yeah. to get a top-up dose if they've not yet had three jabs the vaccine can help I'm, I'm quoting i'm not this is not my opinion the vaccine can help protect against severe illness even if you've caught covid before um and so far 50, so far 15,000 people have booked for for the next week and there are still 391,000 appointments available all oh, right that's interesting it says nhs england and uh, apparently um professor sir chris witty the Chief Medical Officer for England, to give him his full title, maybe there's more, who knows, explained why the booster jab remained important. He says, we know that having the third vaccination, the booster, is very important. Is a very important part of immunity to COVID and it provides additional protection. But then, Professor Chris Whitty said it would not be invail- available indefinitely. So this um, very important part of immunity and additional protection is is obviously not that important because it's not going to be available indefinitely. So there we go. But anyway, he says it's coming to an end on 12th of February and I'd encourage anybody who's not taken up the offer to do so before then. Uh, I'm confused as which it is. Is it is it is it really important or, or not? Because I'm not sure where... Chris, Chris Whitty has left the country in limbo, Helen, hasn't he? Oh, it's so weird. It's like this kind of... It's like some kind of offer coming to at the end in a shop quick quick, quick before it all runs out <laughs> yes. quick go and yes. get your get your booster you know, now cheap tv or whatever it is um yes just crazy i wish yeah. it was a cheap tv because people don't die from buying a cheap tv no, do that they would be much better wouldn't it so if you're thinking please don't go getting your booster before the 12th of february no no please don't do it no yeah okay the well, the- healthy people because the uh, amount, sadly, of 
sudden death, and we were t- chatting about this earlier, weren't we? Sudden sudden death. Mm. Well, I don't remember it being a thing before the last couple of years. Very, very unusually. In certainly in younger, healthy people, I recall one person in all of my adult years, one person. Mm. And I'm clocking up so many that I either know personally or people close to me know personally. Mm. I'm losing track. Mm. It's tragic. It's it is, it is tragic, isn't it? Uh, and just, just to clarify, I'm not saying sudden death wasn't a thing before no. the Dutch years. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it wasn't on our radars. So clearly it's it just been was a thing. An unusual yes, thing exactly. to happen very rarely. Yeah. And it's now been sort of presented as, oh, another person's just just died out of the blue. And it's and it, it's it's tremendously sad um and awful for families and loved ones involved to lose somebody like that. Um but yes, I think coming back a little bit to um, what we're talking about with Andrew Bridgen, who was vilified by his fellow Tory MPs, not all of them, but most of them, and other MPs, actually, for simply asking the question, you know, what's going on? We need to stop this vaccine rollout so that we can ascertain where these excess deaths are coming from, because it could be that it could be down to the covid jab but it's just silence largely but and it's it's not right it's not right and and i think we've always said haven't we we've always said on this podcast you know have to wait and see with something like a medical intervention like a vaccine we need time to 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 make sure it's it is safe and effective you need time and it's not we haven't had that with this at all. It's been rushed out, and sadly, we are seeing the fallout from that. Um, and the stuff that's come out from um, Pfizer, especially with regards to um, um, executives basically admitting to what amounts to gain of function research, is uh, pretty shocking. So I think I think what we what what we're doing is circumnavigating an incredibly large iceberg, and we just see a tip here and a tip there, and we think, oh wow, this doesn't look good. But we probably really sadly don't know the absolute monstrous extent of it. Mm. One thing that um, I was hearing the other day, I think it was from Asim Malhotra, um, was that there appears to be this weird. Um, particular periods of risk after vaccination and and one is very soon after in the kind of week or um week or two afterwards and then there's another time which seems to be around five or six months after and that seems to be when a lot of the sudden deaths are happening as well right which i was only saying to someone the other day that will start to be about now for the autumn boosters. Mm. It's going to come oh, really? now. And I said, the person I said this to the other day said, we're going to start seeing them soon, around now. And then someone she knows really well just died. Just, it's really? another one. That's awful. But that's, that's the fear is that these <sighs> waves of, these waves of excess deaths seem to be, there seems to be a pattern and 
it just does it I, I don't understand that it doesn't seem to matter how many people are studying these this data and you can't argue with it because it's official government data mm. Mm. and yet we get the kind of response that esther mcveigh got in parliament it, just nothing is done yeah nothing is looked at it's it's difficult to know to understand why isn't it i i, I can only make assumptions at this point but one of those assumptions would be that many people just want to believe in the system that they've grown up to believe they want to believe the narrative which we've all grown up with we've all grown up with it we've all been fed it from an early age and i think what has happened is that this whole covid nonsense has unmasked quite a bit about how the world really works mm. and once you've seen that you can't unsee it no um and the sad irony is the world makes much more sense when you look at it that way as well and what's more is i think is when you read your bible and you look at the world, it makes even more sense. Yeah. And this is why, again, we're coming back to this idea that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're not to hold these things tightly and become obsessed by them, but we are to be aware of them. We are to, to take note and to think things through a little bit, as much as we're able to, at least. Um, but to just kind of go along with it because we want to believe what we're told. We we think that we're the good guys. It's that's not that's not gonna that's not gonna end well, I don't think. But yeah, it's it's a very it's a very sad sad situation. Um, and uh, and none of us know when we're gonna die. And I think, again, this is a, a good reminder for all of us that we need to know where we stand with God. We need to have our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to keep short accounts with God, I think. Um, and, yeah, anything to say on that one? Shall we move on? Yeah, no, you're right. So, mm. Yeah. Okay, one one last thing, then we'll kind of we'll, we'll come in we'll come into a um, a kind of a landing pattern, uh, for want of a better phrase. Um, so, just wanted to talk about very briefly. This been in news on and off as well is artificial intelligence, AI, and and truth. And I, I don't know if you have you ever seen a deep fake, Helen? Do you know what I'm talking about there? Um... Uh, yes, I do. I do know what you're talking about. I think uh, the the idea, though, is that you don't see it, do you? No, you we'll, we'll, I'll, we'll we'll link to one in the uh, in in the podcast notes, so you can you can see an example. Um, another example I'm thinking of actually, it, there's one. We'll link to one an example of, of Boris Johnson, a deep fake of him. A deep fake is is essentially a um, computer generated. It could be through a combination of real people and CGI and it creates what looks like a real person who you probably would recognize so Boris Johnson in this case there's another really fascinating one done with Tom Cruise actually which is which is 
when you watch it, you just think, wow, it looks like the real, real. the real Tom Cruise. Um, and they it can give the impression it sounds like the person, it looks like the person, has the mannerisms of the person. So when you're watching it on your computer screen or your television, you cannot tell that it's not the real person. Mm. And that is, is, initially it's fascinating and then it's alarming. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, okay, well, um, you know, what... what where, where does this end? So, so very. So we've had Boris Johnson endorsing Jeremy Corbyn. We'll link to that one. There was another more recent one of Emma Watson reading from uh, Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf, which Emma Watson is, um, well, your normal kind of liberal uh, left-wing actress, and uh, yeah, uh, reading from Mein Kampf, which wouldn't be a thing. And that's a, that's an audio deep fake, not real, not real. Just underline that wasn't real, but would take people in. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, there's a really fascinating little bit. I just want to read out from um, you know Morgoth his, his um, website. I will link to this article, but I'll just just read you this because he's talking about about this, and he says. He says this, he says, there's a screenshot of a supposed tweet by Bill Gates, which goes around in which he says, in quote, vaccines in our food supplies solves the problem of vaccine hesitancy, end quote. Bill Gates never tweeted the statement is fake. The problem is, it is the type of thing Bill Gates would say. Again, it's perhaps a little paranoid of me, but I can't help but get the impression that AI deepfake technology is being used to flood the zone of alternative media and commentary spaces. In recent years, we've seen the rise of the fact checkers and the allegations being hurled around that this or that stance or opinion is misinformation or disinformation. And I think he's hit the nail on the head there because the problem with this whole AI deep fake type thing is that it gives um, easy cannon fodder to the so-called fact checkers to basically then say, oh, look, you thought this was real and it's not. Aren't you silly now? You see, and to silence... And you're a spreader of misinformation. Exactly, exactly. So it does, in a sense... I guess you could say makes it a little trickier, but just take a step back, have a bit of a bigger picture view of things, um, perhaps allow something to settle, give it a bit of time before um, you think, yeah, this is real. You know, in other words, don't just believe it straight away unless you know for certain that it's definitely the real deal. Um, but yeah, just wanted to mention that because it, it, this this kind of thing, unfortunately, is not going to go away. It's just gonna it's just gonna get get uh, get more challenging. But anyway, this this ends the news section. Can you believe it, Helen? We are what forty <laughs> odd minutes in, and we've done we've done the news. Yeah. Wow, big big uh, sigh of the uh, podcast congregation. I don't, know, I don't know what you call the podcast listeners, podcast congregation. What, what, what's, a, what's the name? Audience. Audience, uh, that's the word. So a collective now. Audience. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> audience. There we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to just, we kind of want to round this up by by finishing in talking about what you did. You did your most recent Substack article, Helen, was really, really good. And you, um, and if you haven't 
seen Helen's Substack or read it, we'll link to it in the podcast, do have a look. Helen's a great writer and she articulates things in words particularly brilliantly, I think. But anyway, um, there is Substack you did about... Um, well, talk us through it. Talk us through it because you're, you're the you're the author. There's no point in me talking about it. <laughs> well, well, just to summarise, I was writing about why truth matters, mm. and um, you know, there's lots to say about that. But I decided to focus because it's so topical. I focused on the issues around COVID and the vaccines in particular, um, and so I talked in the article about people who are trying to speak truth mm-hmm. and are trying to seek out the truth um, and then talked a bit about how um, how they are finding that, how mm. they're being treated um, and um, but why it's important for for standing up for the truth um, and um, why it's important for these people to continue to do what they're doing and particularly the people it's important for us all but yeah but some people have got a platform they are able yeah. to reach more people um so it's important for them to be doing that to to try to um reach as as many as possible uh so that's a kind of summary i suppose okay and it, it was it, one of the things that kind of i guess you've noticed in in terms of leading up to writing this and has become even more apparent over over the last few days i guess is is this this idea that who who do you trust mm. so for example there are some who who would say oh you can't you can't trust uh asim mahotra for or john um, Andrew Bridgen or John Campbell, because at the start they were pro-vaccine or pro-lockdown or pro-mandates or whatever it might have been. So now, just doing this about turn, they should be accountable for all the things that they have uh, participated in. And it, it's, I think there's there's a fine line that we need to that that we need to kind of try and stick to, isn't it, Helen, with this in navigating this because. If we're not careful, we're going to end up in this place where we're almost scared of our own shadow. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do understand because when, well, I understand to a degree when you've seen. I mean, this is just one example, and and there could be many others, but but when you're someone who's seen from the very beginning of, for example, the COVID situation, and and you, you, you knew that something wasn't right, and you were opposed to what was happening, and you knew that the vaccines were were um, something to be wary of, and and you didn't take them, and you encouraged others not to take them. Um, I can understand that then, when you see others who who are encouraging it, who then later on change their mind. And then want to kind of join the team, as it were. Mm. That that you might think, well, hold on a minute. Can I trust them? Because that's not what they said before. Why are they now saying, oh no, 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 you know? Or and then the other thing that some people are saying is, well, um, well, it's not okay. They can't just say, 
oh, well, I was just taken in like everyone else. Mm. Um, but the thing is, if you can't allow the possibility of people changing their mind, if you can't allow the possibility of people saying, I made a mistake or I didn't look into it properly mm. and now I have done, I can see that I was wrong. Well, it, you know, that's... It's a bit like saying you you have to be perfect all the time. You yes. can't make mistakes. Yes. Yeah. And therefore, as Christians, it's like saying, "Well, I'm sorry." You can't just say you're sorry, and and let's start over because you messed up. Yeah. And therefore, there's no forgiveness and there's no moving on. You've got to, um, you know, you just have to you just have to stay as you are. You made a mistake. You have to live with it, and that's that. Yeah, and that can't be how it works. Yeah. As Christians, that can't be. How no, it, it, works. It, it can't be. I, I, and 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 as Christians, we have to make that distinction between repentance and remorse. So repentance is a turning around, is is yeah. is a turning away from something and turning towards something else. Remorse, there's no turning involved. It's just a feeling of sadness for actions. So a biblical example would be, you know, we had Paul, repentance, turning around, transformation, the former persecutor as Saul of, of the church, the early church, throwing men, women and presumably children as well into prison and all sorts of other horrible things I'd imagine, turns around and becomes a key uh, a key evangelist of uh, of the early early church um, yeah. remorse would be Judas Iscariot feeling like you know after realizes what he's done he can't change his direction of travel but he just feels bad for what's happened so I think yeah as Christians we've got to differentiate between those two things um, and also just because if, if if somebody has done something wrong, justice can still be served, even when there's repentance. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Somebody's broken the law, for example. Yeah. They can repent, but they still have justice. Still needs to be administered. Um, because that's how, that's how, it works. Um. And that doesn't diminish their repentance, and their, their repentance uh, does not diminish justice. But yeah, I, I think I think there's there is we have we have to practice discernment in this, don't we? Yeah, we do. And I think um, we talked about this a bit with the what podcast we did on the COVID amnesty. Mm. Didn't yeah, we? we did. Where, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this idea that. Uh, you know that we can just move on just move on now and forget all about it and and that's not right we can't that can't be right there has to be there has to be truth um and there has to be accountability for what has happened um but you know that accountability needs to be at the right place as well it does it does yeah who are the people who've made the decisions who mm. who are the people that are responsible um ultimately and I think the other thing is that the people, um, so for example, the people we've spoken about, so 
John Campbell, Andrew Bridgen, Asim Malhotra, who've all turned around, um, mm. made a dramatic change in, in their position. At, at cost to themselves. At, at, exactly, actually, at it's cost, important to add at this. At, at some co- considerable yes. cost. So that's, it's, but that's the thing yeah. to look for. Yeah. If they were just to change their position and just and that that was that and just and do nothing that would be different but these people are now at great cost doing everything they possibly can to do what they now believe to be right about the information they now have and the truth that that they now believe that they understand um i mean john campbell is now talking about it constantly on yes. his channel it's his pretty much sole focus andrew bridgen it's cost him his career and he is continuing to push and push for truth asim malhotra is is um I, I don't know he doesn't appear to be doing anything else other than um trying to push for truth and uh to get his message out there and to try and get the vaccine rollout stopped yeah so that's that's a good test i think to see you know, are they, do they, if they're really believing what they're saying, then they're going to do something about it. And they certainly are. Yeah, totally. And and look, this is, this I think is really important. When, when we say these things, we are not saying, therefore, whatever Andrew Bridgen says, whatever Alcim Maholtra says, whatever John Campbell says, to use them as examples, you can believe it 100%. We're not saying that. What we're saying is you, you you have to weigh everything up for yourself and you have to look at, is this unearthing truth? Is it shining a light on a truth? And if it is, that's a good thing. Um, now, it may be that, that over the course of time, there'll be many, many things that we'll all agree with, with John Campbell, Seymour Holtra and... Um, Andrew Bridgen, but there might not be. It's quite unlikely, actually. There'll probably be some things they do say. I think, oh, complete, I think he's completely wrong about that. That's okay. Just because you don't disagree with, or sorry, just because you disagree with somebody about a point doesn't mean to say you have to throw everything out. But there is a there is a difference here, and the, and again, this is this is as as Christians particularly, we've we've got to grapple with this. And I'll give you an example. I'm not a, a fan of using people's names, but I will on this particular one. Somebody like Jane Azan, okay, she uh, has very robust views on sexuality, which are at complete odds with the Bible. And I disagree with her about that fundamentally. And because it's so significant... I'm not interested in anything else she says. So there is actually a time when because somebody gets it so wrong on something, they should be discounted on everything else they say. And as Christians, we have to understand the distinction between that and situations like we talked about with Asim Malhotra, John Campbell and uh, Andrew Bridgen. And uh, again... But that's what I think. That's what we're called to do. It's called it's called discernment, and it's called and and we're told you know we have to tread a narrow path, and it's hard, and sometimes we're going to make mistakes, but if we know what we're called to. 
that will help us a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very true. Yeah, it's not, and it's it's not easy. No, but, but it's what what we have to do, and it's not. Um, you know, it's not blind trust. We don't just trust what people say blindly, but it's a it's a calculation to be made, isn't there? There, there is. Yeah, there is. Um, and uh, just just as a slight aside here, okay, you might hear about a particular organisation or a particular person or a particular website, and you might think, okay, yeah, I want to find out a little bit more about that. And what what you'll do is probably what most of us do. You'll put it into your search engine, which, let's be honest, is probably likely to be Google, but it might not be. But let's say it is Google. You put it into Google. And sometimes you might then have a search result brought back to you and on the right-hand side, you'll have um, a quote, a summary from Wikipedia, which will give you something It could be along the lines of this is a person with far-right views or alt whatever. Now, that is an indication that you need to be wary of, not from what Wikipedia is saying, but trying to influence what you think about that person before you've even found anything out about them. So finding the truth about somebody, you have to go a little bit deeper and don't be put off by what Wikipedia says, for Definitely example. <laughs> Wikipedia fact, is probably the fact, better better phrase. Well, I would say it's become so common now that I would say if their Wikipedia profile says something like spreader of disinformation... <laughs> <laughs> I should have a look at what they've got to say because there's probably yeah. a lot of we, truth in it. Yeah, we are, we are at that stage in what feels like a topsy-turvy world, aren't we? Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, it, 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 it is very tempting just to discount somebody because they, they, you know, they have a, a dodgy profile on Wikipedia or something. But yeah, mm. practice discernment is really important. Anything else? Or shall we... Well, just one sound like you got some, on, Oh yeah, go for that, it. That I was just mm. thinking... Um, the other thing why I think I think some of these people who um, didn't get it to start with and then had a dramatic turnaround, um, I think they are actually going to be quite important because for people who are yet to wake up, who, who have not been able to see the truth mm. um, and who need to see that they've been deceived, I think it's people like those who are going to be able to speak yes. to them. Yes, yes. Because yeah. they're able to say, I was the same. I thought the same. Mm. But now I can see differently. And I think that is easier for people. Because I think it, it's going to be quite, and it has been quite tra- traumatic for some people. Oh, it has. Yeah, def- definitely it has been. It, it, and and, and it's, it, when your worldview is challenged, as it is for, for many people now, and many people for all sorts of understandable reasons don't want to engage with that but we would encourage you to engage with that it 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 is it can be it can feel a little bit over, overwhelming and so when you have that thrown at you think oh right okay um well what else do i question mm. well the list actually is quite long um but the one thing and the one person you don't question is jesus and this is why jesus talks about building your house on the rock not on the sand having a firm foundation, which is him. And you know, if you do that, 
whatever else might crumble around you, whatever other worldview might fall down, collapse, institution, person, whatever, if you've got your feet on the rock that is Jesus Christ, you will be able to stand. And that's what we have to do, isn't it? So it's yeah. so important. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's a good point, Helen. It, 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 I think these people do have an important role to play in, in helping get the truth out there. And um, I think that just to kind of just reiterate, um, the primary driver when listening to somebody, when weighing it up is, are they helping to uncover the truth? Yes or no? If they are, they're probably worth listening to on, on what they're talking about. Um, try not to get hung up too much about the person themselves. Listen to what they're saying. Are they standing for truth? Are they standing for justice? If they are, listen. Have a listen and weigh it up. Uh, but don't just discount it because you've read something on Wikipedia. That's not... <laughs> A very intelligent thing to do. Right. Shall we show anything else or shall we shall we shall we land the pod plane? Yeah. But shall we shall we shall we land the pod balloon? Yes. Rather than oh, getting yeah, we don't want to get shot good. down, do we, of course. How do you then. land a balloon? I think you let the gas out, don't you? Um or get shot down. Um right. Okay, so yeah, we we wanted to um just touch on this whole thing of of kind of being uh woken up and and for some of us that's been a bit of a, a shaking others it might be rising from a, a a light nap others might still be snoring loudly and not wanting not wanting to wake up but um we do need to be ready as follows of jesus and i just want to read this to you it's from matthew 25 and it's the parable of the ten virgins i'm not going to read the whole thing because um but i'm going to read from verse 7 and this is what jesus is saying he said then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they're on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and a door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. And this is a sobering but also encouraging exhortation from the Lord Jesus to each one of us to be living ready, to be alert, um, not to be fearful. We mustn't be fearful. It's very easy, I think, to be fearful. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful, but we should be expectant. Expectant of what? Of Jesus' return. And I'm personally really challenged by this question. And I think the answer to this particular question tells me a lot about where my heart is with God. And maybe it'll tell you a lot about where your heart with God is as well. And the question is this, how much do you want Jesus to return? And I just want to leave that with you to have a ponder of that question and have a ponder of this uh, parable in Matthew 25. Because if my heart is really yearning after the return of Christ, that will affect how I live. And I know I need to step up into that more and more. And uh, we need to help one another do that. 
And the way we do that is to be, well, partly one of the ways we do that is to be alert to what's happening in the world, to encourage one another, to spur each other on, to cause us to live for Christ and hold out the gospel of hope to a broken, hurting world. And we get the chance to do that. Shall we finish there, Helen? Yeah, good place to finish. Yeah. Okay, Dake. Well, um, thanks for listening. Uh, really appreciate it. We've got um, another podcast planned, uh, God willing, in a couple of weeks, I think, Helen, isn't it? A couple uh, of weeks. Yes, roughly. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're quite excited about that one. But uh, all being well, we'll let you, let you know more nearer the time. And uh, in the meantime, please do share this podcast with anybody you think it might help or encourage. Uh, or challenge if you have any feedback or comments for us please do let us know you can find all the information about where to find us i suppose from um, from the link tree in, in uh, on the podcast popbean site uh do check out helen's Substacks; really really good please do share that with people as well uh, anything to add there must be something to add have i missed anything um oh, we've got no, telegram channel yeah yeah telegram channel oh we've got the buy me a coffee as well oh yes would be great yeah um that would help with doing a few things we want to do. Yeah, it would. It would. All of that's on the link tree, isn't it? Yeah, it's all on all on the link tree. Right. Well, great. Um, we'll see you on the next one. Yep. See you then. Bye. Bye.